Good morning, everybody. I'm Greg Nicholson, the lead pastor here. And I got married on December 20th, 1980. And my wife, Pat, and I decided that we would go from Charlottetown to Halifax for our honeymoon. So we spent four days in Halifax, never anticipating that I would at some point end up as the pastor here. And it was a cold week that we were here, and we were staying in a hotel right down by the waterfront. And every time we went out, it just seemed to be so cold. And then the hotel had one of those pools, which had an indoor and an outdoor portion. And on a school trip to Quebec City in grade 12, I stayed at a hotel like that. The water was heated, and we would swim in it and then stick our heads out of the water, and our hair would immediately freeze. So we tried that at our hotel, jumped in the water, jumped back out. wasn't heated. So there were a few other things that went wrong on the trip. I blew up my little car back, trying to suck up all the confetti that was in my car. And, but we went to Ikea, and, which is coming back again. There was an Ikea store here at that time. We still have some of that furniture. That's how good it is. But I never imagined that I would end up here eight years later as pastor. Like This church didn't even exist in 1980. So we never know where God is going to lead us to. And we have to be responding to his call when that happens. The setting for today's story is Acts chapter 10. And it's in the city of Caesarea. And this is actually the Jewish capital. Herod had built Caesarea from nothing, and he turned it into the greatest Hellenistic city in all of Israel. Its harbor was actually bigger than the harbor in Athens, and its Colosseum was actually bigger than the Colosseum in Rome that we hear so much about. So it was a very cosmopolitan city, and there was a Gentile. That basically means he wasn't a Jew by the name of Cornelius, and he was living there. And the Bible says that he was a God-fearing man, and he was very generous to those who were in need, and it also tells us that he spent time in prayer to God as well. So he was a man who was very well respected in that city. And an angel appeared to him and instructed him to send men to Joppa, to search out this man by the name of Simon Peter and ask him to come over to where they lived. And Cornelius did that. He sent the men out on this journey to bring this Jew named Peter, who was now a Christian, back to Cornelius, this respected centurion. So we pick up in Acts chapter 10, verse 9. About noon the next day, as they came near Joppa, Peter was going up to the roof to pray, and he was hungry and wanted to eat. But while the food was being prepared, he had a vision. He saw heaven opened and something coming down that looked like a big sheet being lowered to earth by its four corners. In it were all kinds of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice said to Peter, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, No, Lord. I have never eaten food that is unholy or unclean. But the voice said to him, Again, God has made these things clean, so don't call them unholy. 
And this happened three times. And at once the sheet was taken back to heaven. Now I'll summarize what happens next. Because at the exact moment that the men sent by Cornelius arrived, the Holy Spirit told Peter to go with them. So they made the trip back to Caesarea. And when Peter entered into Cornelius' house, this Gentile fell at his feet in worship. And this was an unprecedented thing for a Gentile to actually worship or show reverence to a Jew. But Peter was keeping it all in perspective. And he said, look, you're not here to worship me. I'm just a man. Get back up on your feet. And then he went into a room where Cornelius' family and friends had gathered together, and he pointed out the fact that the Holy Spirit directed him to go with these men. And about that time, Cornelius tells Peter about his own angelic visit and how he was told specifically to send for him. And then we see Peter's speech in verse 34. Peter began to speak, I really understand now that to God every person is the same. In every country, God accepts anyone who worships him and does what is right. You know the message that God has sent to the people of Israel is the good news that peace has come through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Lord of all people. Now Peter then went on to preach about Jesus' ministry, to preach about his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And then he told how the Holy Spirit had come upon all who were present in that upper room on the day of Pentecost. And as he was speaking, the Holy Spirit came upon those who were listening to him as well. And the Jews who were accompanying Peter, they couldn't get over the fact that the Holy Spirit was now being poured out on these Jews as well. And in the midst of this, Peter instructed them to be baptized. And they were. And then Peter stayed with them a few more days, stayed with this people group that had never before been informed of or invited to become a part of Christianity, to find salvation through Christ. So the Holy Spirit empowered Peter and the other Jewish Christians to accept those who are different. And when you hear this subject being talked about, you probably, first of all, think about this guy or this woman that you know, and you think, you know, they really need to hear a message like this because they have so much prejudice in their lives. And we immediately feel that we're exempt from this because we've got everything just perfect in our lives. But we may be blind to our own problem. Maybe you heard about the man who went to a doctor and he said, look, I'm not sure what's wrong, but when I touch my knee, the pain is excruciating. And when I touch my elbow, I just can't stand the pain. And then he said, when I touch the back of my neck, it's just out of this world. So the doctor took some x-rays and a few minutes later he came back and he said, well, I found your problem. Your finger's broken. And you know something, we can become pretty talented at pointing the finger at other people, like they've got issues with that, like he's got an issue with this, I can see her acting wrong in that situation, when really 
that finger is just a diversion to keep us from making some radical changes in our own lives, to understanding where we experience some prejudice, and we need to make some changes so that we can accept those who are different from us. So today we're going to learn some lessons from Acts chapter 10. And we need to, first of all, try to see people the way that God sees them. And now why do we struggle with that? One reason is it might be the way we were raised. Peter was raised in a Jewish culture where the Jews were told that they were not to have any association whatsoever with anyone that wasn't a Jew. That was considered to be wrong. It was a sin. And then another factor that comes into play sometimes is the type of exposure you've had to people who are different from you. If you haven't been exposed to people who have some type of physical or developmental disability, then you might feel awkward when you're around someone disabled in that way. And you might not even look directly at them, or you might just not know how to act around them. And perhaps you weren't raised around those of a different race. I grew up, how many know Prince Edward Island? I mention it too often. But in Prince Edward Island, in the 60s and 70s, there was mostly a Caucasian community on PEI, either uh, Scottish, Irish, Dutch, or French descent. There was a very small First Nations community, and then there were a few Lebanese families and two Indian families. And I attended Charlottetown Rural High School, and there wasn't one African-Canadian in that whole school, like 1,500 kids. Our version of integration on PEI was taking the kids from the country and taking them into the city schools. That was our integration. So I came to Halifax, and I was frustrated with what I saw because people were struggling to accept others who were of a different skin color. And I could see prejudice running rampant at times. But I just love our congregation because it's so rich with 22 different nationalities that make up our church family. Now, Peter struggled with seeing uh, people as God does because that prejudice was protected and encouraged by the Old Testament law. Just look at the opening line of what Peter said when he came into Cornelius' home. So verse 28, he said, You people understand that it is against our law for Jewish people to associate with or visit anyone who is not Jewish. But God has shown me that I should not call any person unholy or unclean. So he's saying, you know, in the world I live in, like this just isn't the way that it's supposed to be. But I understand that there is a higher authority. So he's simply saying that God's word, God's authority trumps human tradition. And he realized that God had engineered this extra work of the Holy Spirit to empower him to accept those who were different. And through God's miraculous involvement at this event, it showed other Christians that they too should do the same. So those are a few of the issues why we don't always see people the way God does. But look at 2 
chapter of James, verse 9. But if you treat one person as being more important than another, you are sinning. You are guilty of breaking God's law. And Chip Ingram actually defined prejudice as a judgment or opinion formed before the facts are known. And I agree with that assessment because prejudice is a prejudgment based on an exterior focus. So here is a list of a few issues that have the potential to divide families, communities, even churches. And one of them is socioeconomic prejudice. Some people who grew up without money were raised to think that everyone who was wealthy was stingy and arrogant and think that they're better than others. Others who have money can begin to measure the worth of a person by their financial portfolio rather than by the fact that they were created in the image of God. And the Bible reminds us of how prejudice in this particular area can actually go in both directions. So Leviticus 19, verse 15, Do not twist justice in legal matters by favoring the poor or being partial to the rich and powerful. Always judge people fairly. And then there can be religious prejudice as well. Like Christians can think that their particular denomination or fellowship is the only one that's going to be saved. And everyone else out there, you know, they're in trouble until they come and kind of toe the line with us. But there are other churches out there that teach and preach God's word. There are other churches out there where you can grow spiritually and be inspired. But in a, this age of moral relativism, we must be certain that the church we attend believes the words of Jesus when he said this in John chapter 14, verse 6. I am the way and the truth and the life. The only way to the Father is through me. But this home group that I'm leading right now, they're getting tired of that verse. Every week I keep saying it. But that is the key. It's through Jesus that we get to God. And then another way we struggle is through racial prejudice. In the early 1900s, I read about a family in the deep south of the U.S. They were wealthy, and they were known to help people in the African-American community that were in need. And one day, an African-American man came to the front door of the mansion, and he was really in need of some food. And the woman, she just kind of looked around And she said, okay, come and meet me at the back door. So he walked around and met her there. She had a loaf of bread for him. And then she said, before you go with this, I want you to quote the Lord's Prayer with me. So she started off by saying, our Father who art in heaven. And she said, now repeat that. And he said, your Father who art in heaven. And she said, no, it's our Father who art in heaven. And he again said, your father who art in heaven. And she says, why do you keep saying that? And this is what he humbly explained. He said, ma'am, if I said our father, that would mean that you and I are brother and sister. And if we were truly brother and sister, you wouldn't be asking me to come around to your back door. Our church is seeking to reach into our community and make more and better disciples. 
And we live in a rich community, not because of the financial welfare of our community, but because of the cultural makeup of our community. And we won't make more disciples if we ever allow racial discord to grow. We can make a difference in our community if we strive to remove any barriers. So we could talk about so many other barriers that we see. Gender is another one where we see prejudice, intellect, appearance, just making assumptions based on the way individuals look. And we don't have time to challenge the biggest one, sports prejudice, because people pick on my Toronto Maple Leafs just because they haven't won a championship in 50 years, but it's going to happen soon. But So when I pull away and I look at things from a rational perspective, I'm much more accepting of those who are different from me. In Acts chapter 10, In Acts chapter 10, God was changing Peter's thinking on that very day. And in time, all of the Jewish Christians would learn that God had decided that Jesus had come to save everybody. And that's what matters. So then in verse 34, Peter gets up to speak. I really understand now that to God, every person is the same. In every country, God accepts anyone who worships him and does what is right. So there was a major paradigm shift. Like this is the transitional moment in time when the Jewish people were told that although they were God's chosen people, others could also find salvation through Jesus Christ. And God loves diversity And don't take my word for it. Look at what God inspired the Apostle Paul to write to the early Christians in Galatians 3. He said, You were all baptized into Christ, and so you were all clothed with Christ. This means that you were all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. In Christ, there is no difference between Jew and Greek, slave and free person, male and female, You are all the same in Christ Jesus. You belong to Christ, so you are Abraham's descendants. You will inherit all of God's blessings because of the promises God made to Abraham. And the second lesson we want to learn is see what happens when you get out of your comfort zone. Our first response to God when he asks us, to stretch and get out of our comfort zone is to say, uh, that's not for me. We get nervous. And that was the Apostle Peter's first response. In fact, he said no three times when people asked him if he was one of the followers of this Jesus of Nazareth. He felt that he wasn't prepared for that challenge. And when we're talking about accepting those who are different, we have to remember that there's a difference between approval and acceptance. A parent can accept their adult child, but they can actually disapprove of their behavior. So at times, it means getting outside of our comfort zone. Sometimes when you get outside of your comfort zone, you're exposed to people who don't look like you or 
who have another worldview than you do, and it begins to affect you, and you have this burden to speak the truth in love and to share the gospel with them. And the result is that those people are saved. Because remember that our goal is to connect people to Jesus and to connect them to one another. And through this process, you begin to realize just how much God loves you. And it's in those moments that the Holy Spirit can really make a change and enable us to be more accepting of those that we've tended to kind of keep at arm's length. Jesus spent time with those who were extremely wealthy, yet he was extremely poor. He ate meals with the sexually immoral, even though he was sexually pure. He tried to influence the self-righteous religious leaders, and yet he was righteous himself. And even the lepers experienced his encouragement and healing. So who are you touching? Have you made any inroads with that loner at work? Or maybe with that neighbor who you know stands for everything that is just the opposite of what you stand for? Do you have time for them? There was a married couple spending their honeymoon in Hawaii. And they were walking along the beach. And a monk seal had come up onto the beach. And immediately some fisheries volunteers had kind of surrounded that seal with ropes, like yellow ropes, to keep people away from the seal. And then as people approached the ropes, they heard the volunteers explaining all kinds of things. They told the crowd the seal's name and its approximate age and feeding habits. They even talked about the little scars that you could see on this seal. And they explained how that seal got those scars. But any time that someone tried to get too close to that seal, the volunteers just jumped in to protect it. They didn't want anyone getting too close to hurt that seal. And the couple said at that moment, they looked beyond the seal, and there was this hotel that was in horrible shape. And they could see this disenfranchised young man sitting on the deck in a chair. And he was obviously an outcast from society. And then they started to think, you know, what a disconnect there is here. Here we are, we're all gathered around this seal, yellow ropes, someone explaining all about the seal, telling us the seal's name, even telling us about the scars that that seal has. And all along, nobody is saying anything about that young guy. They're not saying anything about the scars that he has, how he got those. They're not telling us what his name is. Now, I don't share that because I think that we shouldn't protect animals. But remember what I said earlier? I said sometimes we do good things and neglect the best things. So someone should be concerned about saving that young guy. Like, why is it easier to listen to a lecture about a seal than it is to walk over to a person who is so very different from us and just listen to them and hear what's going on in their life? Like, God wants to take you and he wants to take me out of our comfort zone. And he wants to take us to places that we've never been before. See, that's a picture of what the church is to be a place where we're connecting with God and we're connecting with each other and we're connecting with people 
who were very different from us. There's one last lesson I want to share briefly, and that is experience the validation that you are walking in the Lord's will. That the Holy Spirit was poured out in dramatic fashion the day that the church started. And 3,000 Jews found salvation through Jesus Christ that day. And Peter knows that this flies in the face of everything that he was taught because he has seen this group of people, this family of Cornelius and his friends, receive the Holy Spirit in the very same way. But it was teaching him that salvation is available to everyone who believes. And then Peter has the privilege of allowing God to change his own heart, allowing God to then just kind of swing open the doors of salvation to the non-Jewish world. And this has incredible implications. It has incredible implications for the most of us here today, since most of us come from a non-Jewish background. God's validation went beyond these Gentiles speaking in tongues. The ultimate validation was the, the fact that they believed in Christ and gave their life to him. And the Bible tells us that Philip, Peter then ordered that they be baptized. And that's pretty bold. Like He is giving membership privileges to this group of people that the Jewish Christians have been shunning all along. And suddenly, they are now allowed into God's family. God's Spirit lives where unity is prevalent. That's why we must try not to actually prejudge people, because the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer is how it was that Peter was able to actually do something very different from the way that he had been raised his entire life. It just went against everything. It broke down barriers. It enabled him to befriend those who were different. And it sounds really good when we listen to a message on a Sunday morning in a worship center, but on Monday morning when we get out there in the world, it's a lot tougher. It's a different situation. But the key to remember is that Acts chapter 10 wasn't so much about the conversion of Cornelius as it was about the conversion of Peter and the realization that everyone could come to Christ. So the challenge for Christians is to allow the Spirit to lead you in overcoming prejudice over the long haul. Even years later in Galatians chapter 2, it tells about how Peter had some lapses where he dabbled with legalism, he dabbled with prejudice, because prejudice is a hard habit to overcome, but it can be. You know the type of church that I want us to excel at being? A, a church that is just trying to be a liaison for people so that they can get to know God, they can get to know Jesus, and they can get to know His Word. And I want our church to keep moving in the direction of fanning out through the community, fanning out through our country, fanning out through our world to show God's love. And we actually have some guests here this morning who are part of what we're involved in in Poland. Like We are partners with people all around the world. So I just want to introduce them today because we're having a barbecue afterwards uh, to be able to get to meet them. 
But uh, Jay, look, please stand. So Jay Boyer here and Colette Layden, they are the ones that we are partnering with in Krakow, Poland. And then they have three of the students at the Graceland School that are actually here visiting with them and traveling through Canada with them. So would you girls introduce yourselves? When the church is united, God is glorified, but it actually begins with the denial of self. And that's tough stuff, but it's necessary if you are going to accept those who are different from you. Like Peter, maybe today you realize that God doesn't show favoritism, but that he accepts people from every nation. But there's a qualifier. He accepts those who fear him and do what is right. So it's time to do what's right and be obedient to Jesus. Because on Judgment Day, he's not going to be interested in your heritage. He's interested in your humility. He's not going to be interested in your pedigree. He's interested in your obedience. And maybe today is the time for you to be obedient to Jesus Christ. If you want to talk to someone about that or make some type of spiritual decision, like please talk to me or our associate pastor James or, or anybody else on our staff here. <laughs>